And we are back. That's right. Back again for another episode of The Hoop. Huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Coming to you from this glorious Labor Day morning, holiday morning. It's The Hoop. Plug. And as always, rocking with you. It's your boy, Faraz, in the building. And coming to you live, virtually, my brother, my co-host, my co-CEO, Tyler, in the building. What's up, yes, brother? How you feeling? Sir. I'm feeling good. You know why? Do you know why? Oh, let me hear it. Let me hear it. We got training camp this month. We got preseason games this month. So I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Rico Hines runs are over. That's the initial alarm bell. You know NBA is right around the corner. Faraz, how are you feeling? Hey, man, I couldn't have said it any better than you just did. I'm excited. The league is right around the corner. You know what I'm saying? Training camp starts this month, like you mentioned before. Man, it's time for some more hoop plug, bro. Regular season hoop plug. Let's go. And if you're itching, you're scratching, you can't wait to get that NBA feeling back again, just know the 30th of this month, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they're all going to be in Japan. Playing a preseason exhibition game against the Washington Wizards. Man, we are so close. It's right around the corner. I can smell it. And I know Rui Hachimura is going to be excited for the homecoming. Oh, yeah? What better way? You know? You know what I'm saying? What better way to come home than to face off the current NBA champs with the likes of greats such as Steph and Clay and Dre and the rest of the Warriors. You know what I mean? Got to throw in Steve Kerr in the mix. Just good for the game. You know what I mean? Love to see it. We got a jam-packed show, bro. We're going to talk about that fresh news, the trade we didn't see coming, the R.J. Barrett extension, and Serena, the GOAT, all on the rundown for today. We got a jam-packed episode. Keep it locked. It's the plug. And before we get into the podcast, a brief message from our sponsors, the good folks, the good people over at Evan Alexander Grooming. Dot com. What's that, you ask? Who are they, you ask? Only the hippest, most fresh, most popping hair care, beard care, skin care company on the market right now. They got everything you need. Their products curtail towards minorities, curtail towards everybody. You know what I mean? If the hairline not looking tight, beard looking a little low, unkempt, you need a brush, you need something for the skin, EvanAlexanderGrooming.com has got it all. That's right. Make sure you guys run it up. EvanAlexanderGrooming.com. Use the promo code hoop underscore plug underscore at checkout. Guys, don't wait till it's too late, okay? When that hair goes, it's usually not coming back. Evan Alexander Grooming, they can bring some back, but the earlier, the better, right? It's preventative as well as retroactive, as well as magical, all right? Get your stuff. Hoop underscore plug underscore at checkout. <laughs> at the good people at Evan Alexander Grooming. Dot com. And without further ado, it's back to the plug. Keep it locked. Ross, I got a question, bro. I got a question. You know, this whole offseason, we've talked about one guy a lot more than anyone else. And it's not LeBron James. It's not Kevin Durant. It's actually not even a current NBA player. It's Danny Ainge. And I, I really don't want to talk about him anymore, but we have to at least one more time. That's because Donovan Mitchell is now 
a cavalier. Yep, yep, yep. You said it, man. Um, Danny Ainge, man. You love to hate him. You hate to love him. Uh, it seems like every time you hear his name, it's like dancing with the devil. Danny the devil. I don't even know what else to call it, man. But uh, there's one thing Danny Ainge is so equipped at doing, so adept at doing, right? It's hustling the rest of the league. You know what I mean? This guy was able to turn two stars, count them, two NBA All-Stars. And let's be real, right? Donovan Mitchell... Rudy Gobert, both phenomenal players, fantastic players, but not even on the upper echelon of all-stars when we're really getting down to it. And he was able to get everything and the kitchen sink for the two of them, man. The Nets, they couldn't do anything. Nobody could do anything. And when it came to KD, KD wasn't getting nothing shelled out for him. But when it came to Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, teams, I, I don't know if it had anything to do with Danny Ainge's negotiation style, but they were just willing to give away everything. We're talking picks. We're talking players. Man, we're talking trade swaps. Like, damn, Danny Ainge strikes again. Yeah, facts. And I'm glad you pointed it out that Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, two all-stars, Multiple-time All-Stars, but guys that don't come without their flaws. Um, and, and they've been talked about at lengths. Rudy Gobert, but we saw him try to post up Dennis Schroeder unsuccessfully in the EuroLeague <laughs> Cup. And then Donovan Mitchell, who's got it all on offense, defensive question marks, and in a small frame 6-1. But let's talk about the fit, right? We're going to get into all that Nick stuff later. But Donovan Mitchell joins Darius Garland in a freakishly talented but miniature backcourt. How are you feeling about this fit, my brother? You know, I think it fits well. However, this is probably going to be the best, smallest team aside from the Warriors, right? Because this team is kind of small, as you mentioned. I mean, Jared Allen at center, Evan Mobley aren't short guys, but the thin frames, you know, give you that, that idea of them being a smaller team. And given that, you know, they're not 10-year veterans in the league, you know, you, you don't have that thought behind them being these big, you know, overwhelming presence. Skill, finesse, those kind of things, able to do all the things that they need to do. But I like this fit, man. You know, it's an interesting one. Typically, you know, you get three all-stars together. You're speaking about a championship, you know? Uh, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, for sure, first-time all-stars. You know what I mean? Some might argue was due to injuries and what may have you the last season. Darius Garland, unquestionable. Jared Allen was a replacement all-star, you know? But we'll say all that to say this. You had Donovan Mitchell into the mix. You know, you got rid of Colin Sexton, which you had no choice but to do. But other than that... I mean, you maintained your core of guys who, you know, made it to the play-in last year, didn't succeed in the play-in, but this, I have question marks. However, there's no doubt that this Cavs team is going to be good in the upcoming season. Yeah, no doubt. It's a stacked Eastern Conference, so I'm not sure how good they need to be to lock up a top six seed and, and avoid the play-in, but there's no doubt they're going to yeah. be in the mix, right? We talked about how small the guards are, but I'm glad you touched on it. Evan Mobley. Jared Allen, you got two seven-footers, twin towers, like you haven't seen in a long time at the same, on the other end of things, right? So it kind of, if you are going to go with the 6-1, six, 6-0 six, backcourt, you, you do want two seven-footers in the front court to kind of balance things out, and they have that. Yo, your guards are small. There's no getting around it, but they're absolute buckets. And the best thing about this fit, yep. the three, Okoro, the four, Evan Mobley, the five, Jared Allen, are all defensive-minded players. And I think the key ingredient, the special ingredient in this pie is going to be Evan Mobley. He's coming off of a strong rookie campaign. And you know I've talked about it on this podcast, how high I am. I'm president of the fair club. I like Evan Mobley's game <laughs> a lot. 
The things he can do on yeah, defense alone, and talking about being a hub, dishing it out, the likes of Vucevic in Chicago. I mean, he can't shoot like Vooch, but in terms of the playmaking, the the, you know, if if he if he ever finds himself, he could in the Warriors like system, he could play a Draymond role, I believe, at seven foot, which is unheard of. I mean, Jokic does it, but outside of yeah. him, unheard of. Well, and, and there's a, a certain mobility that that Evan. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say there's a certain mobility that Evan Mobley brings to the table that Jokic doesn't do. So that's why when you think of that, like it's like okay, this is different. You know what I mean? So, but without cutting off your point. Yeah, because as high as I am on Evan Mobley, there's been a comp going around that I can't quite get behind, but I got to run by you. They look at the defensive versatility, his ability to guard one through five, really be an anchor. Um, He blocks his block rate in terms of contested shots. The ones he's getting a hand on percentage wise is through the roof, like at an all time level. Um, Yeah. It's led to a comparison of another rookie that came in at the power forward spot and dominated on defense from day one. Do you know who I'm talking about for us? I want to say Anthony Davis. Tim Duncan. Oh, shit. (laughs) Excuse my French. Okay. And while he still has some development on the offensive side, I mean, Tim Duncan is an arguable top 10 guy, so I don't even feel comfortable uttering that out of my mouth. But yeah, I'm not going to lie. The comp makes a little bit of sense to me, bro. I actually am not, you know, I'm not jumping down this comparison's throat. Like, I'm not, this doesn't actually make me go crazy. I think the number one difference, right, which we got to account for is when Tim Duncan came into the league, he was 22 years old, four years of college experience underneath his belt, you know, National Player of the Year, multiple-time All-American, you know. He had already found himself. Evan Mobley, you know, different situation, not exactly the same, you know, still has some room to grow. But with the rookie campaign that he just put on, you know, second in, second in the year, rookie of the year voting, looked like one of the leaders on this team, right? I think that, you know, if he had a little bit more experience, he could have been an all-star last year, you know? So that's how good he was. I can see it. I can see it. There's This is the biggest uh, comparison that I personally see. It's a certain calmness to their game, right? It's a certain confidence that they both yeah. had, Tim Duncan and Evan Mobley, you know? Um, both young guys when they came into the league, but seemed like they had just been there before, right? And, you know, a lot of work Evan Mobley has been doing this offseason and this summer on his jump shot. You know, you see it in the Rico Hine runs. You see it in the Cavs, you know, uh, offseason workouts. So, yeah, I like that comparison. I'm not going to quite give it to him just yet. I think he's got to do a lot him. more to yeah. prove and earn that, like you said, but, I mean, on the defensive end, there's no doubt about it, he's there. On the offensive end, very versatile. You know, he can do a lot of things that Tim Duncan, you know, perfected. If I see this guy start to post up, fade away off the glass <laughs> next season, I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> but until Fundies. then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that would be sir. a sight to see, man. And I just go back to that Donovan Mitchell fit. Like, perfect compliments. I see why Cleveland pulled the trigger, Right. If there were a question, if there was a question mark around this Cleveland team last year and they had an amazing record the first half, they were in a top six position in the East, and then Jared Allen gets hurt around all-star break and they fall off, that defense falls off, you have two great defenders to cover up for Don on defense at the rim, and you don't have to rely on Darius Garland to close out basketball games because Donovan Mitchell does that, okay? And it makes him that much. 
I'm with you, and it makes them that much more scary because instead of knowing where the ball's gonna go, it's a two-headed monster, maybe even three-headed. You know what I mean? So uh, you mentioned it. I love this fit. I think this Cavs team is gonna be very good, surprisingly good. Still some question marks, but I think this team is. The Cavs get an A plus for their offseason moves. Let's keep it at that. Maybe gave away a little too much, but hey, if you're chasing a ring and that's definitely what they're doing, uh, sometimes you gotta spend, you know? Yeah. And uh, we got to touch on this right before we move on is last time the Cavs reloaded on young talent, they were able to lure one LeBron James back to the homeland, right? You're seeing how things are shaping up. We know LeBron's view on things. When is Bronny and Bryce coming out? But he will be eligible for free agency again. You think there's any chance Cleveland is shaping itself up to bring the King home once again? I'm not going to comment on this. I'm not going to go into it too much. But I will say this. Right now, the Cavs are better than the Lakers. And I see that being so for the foreseeable future. So I'm going to keep it at that. I'm not saying the Cavs don't have any bad intentions. You know what I'm saying? Trying to steal the king away from La La Land. But, uh, yeah, uh, this is interesting, man. It's funny how how his – excuse me. It's funny how life plays itself out, right? LeBron spends so much time trying to get away. And it looks like the only place he really belongs <laughs> – is home. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Hey. Well, you said something that I think we need to talk about a little bit more, and that's that it was debatable whether Cleveland gave up too much to get one Donovan Mitchell. Well, I'm not breaking any news here when I say there was another team involved in this pursuit, <laughs> and it happened to be my New York Knicks. Well, there have been some reports lending credence to this, and that was that Utah Jazz weren't happy with Donovan Mitchell's trade request. And they felt that they would rather take less elsewhere than send him where he wanted to go. So not only was that New York, that was Miami, that was Brooklyn, even though those teams would have been hard-pressed to get a deal done. So Yeah. Yeah. I think that's hilarious because you're right. They sent him to Cleveland. (laughs) 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 They're like, yeah. You can't go to New York, Brooklyn, nah, Miami, nah. You just came from Utah. We're going to send you to another similar place, city, but uh, not a city where you really want to be at, Cleveland. So I think that's actually great. And if you look at the reported packages, bro, like, all right, unless Danny Ainge is secretly in love with Colin Sexton, like, you know Laurie Markkinen struggles as a Chicago Bulls fan, then the other guy was uh, just a first-round pick pick from, like, I think 12th or 14th overall. It's unproven guy. Yeah. Unless he's in love with Colin Sexton, the R.J. Barrett plus picks deal is far superior. <laughs> what was it? Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, and Mitchell oh. Robinson? Yes. Nope. And, and, and then two, two firsts. The Knicks would have never been good again. They would have traded away their whole future for a star. I mean, don't get me wrong. Danny Ainge saved the Knicks. But the, what is wrong with U- the Utah Jazz in that situation? You would have had an opportunity to compete for the play-in next year while also having a bunch of picks you know what i mean um you're right i think it was a personal vendetta petty is petty (laughs) yeah and then not to mention that the lakers would have to be probably involved in a three-team deal there and now you're not only helping the knicks the celtic rival you're helping the lakers as well uh you know if there's one thing danny didn't want to do lose that yeah and you also don't want everyone to help lebron out too so a a third reason (laughs) (laughs) all right so i'm gonna take you through the knicks perspective on this uh i know you're 
probably sending some compassion and, and thoughts my way. Yeah, probably not. But uh, the sad <laughs> after party, the reveal of your new team, I'm not too sad for you. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's fair, I guess. The sad part here for Nick's faithful man, I, I feel like for once. We, we did everything right. Maybe that was with a little Danny Ainge help, if that R.J. Barrett big deal was, was reportedly declined by Danny Ainge. But I, I do feel like we did everything right, man. We, we stayed patient. We made the competitive offers. We didn't overpay. And the even worse part is, ultimately, I got this realization. The Knicks can do everything right for the next five years and still not get a player as impactful as Donovan Mitchell. That is the truth here. Donovan Mitchell would have lit up the garden in a way I'm not sure any Nick has ever has. And I know Clyde Fraser did some great things and Patrick Ewing did some great things and Carmelo Anthony going for career highs in the garden. But as an athlete, some of the things Donovan Mitchell can do are truly special. And we missed out on three more years, or three years, we're not getting any years right now, of Donovan <laughs> Mitchell in the Mecca. And that sucks. Yeah. However, however, the way that you got to look at it is this way. You're not giving up R.J. Barrett. You know what I'm saying? You're not giving up Donovan Mitchell, excuse me, Mitchell Robinson. You're not giving up Obi. You're not giving up Emmanuel Quickly, who I think that for the Knicks to really be successful would at least need three out of three or at least all of those guys to stay within the team and stay within the roster. Because, you know, those are the building blocks, right? Yeah. So um, I think at the end of the day, it would have been nice to see Donovan Mitchell there. It would have been nice for the excitement in the garden. But you would have had another mellow situation. One star who's exciting can put the ball in the basket, you know what I mean? But isn't going to really win you anything, you know? There'll be excitement. You might go down as a garden legend, right? Just like my boy Melo, but you <laughs> might not be a winner at the end of your career. So yeah. um, I say all that to say this. I think the Knicks, you know, have set themselves up nicely before these last couple of seasons or these last couple of seasons, right? Um, RJ Baird, he just signed his extension. Guys, we mentioned before, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson, Obi Thompson, Obi Toppin. These are all guys that you can build with, you know? So uh, you have draft picks as well. And, you know, you've set yourself up also to get another star. I didn't mention Jalen Brunson, you know? So I think the Knicks could be, they're in better a better position than they have been the last three or four years. That's for sure. Yeah, and I ultimately come, came to that same conclusion, Um I think I'm okay with the Knicks not pulling the trigger, right? Like, there there were rumors swirling that the front office wanted to kind of restore their reputation. And if you're really thinking about not the lens of getting better, but the ultimate goal of winning a championship, if you're trying to, if you're going to lose every trade and, and pay a New York tax on every asset you need to get en route to a championship, it's going to make it a lot more difficult. So while they lost the battle here, it might be, a stepping stone to winning the war. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And to sweeten that for you, to sweeten that proposition, that deal, might I ask, or might I add, let's talk about RJ Barrett, man. We, we, you know, we spoke about him. We spoke about him being involved in a trade package for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, after all of that weird stuff, he signed his extension. Must have been quite an interesting week for RJ, huh? Yeah, seeing your name swirl around in rumors. And then get four years, $107 million. There's also reports that the Knicks kind of held this negotiation over his head in contract negotiations. It's like, hey, RJ, 
right? You better sign for a, for a favorable number or we can just trade you to Utah and you can finish your contract out there. Like, oh, I hope there wasn't too much of that foul play because that would make me pissed. Yeah, pissed. yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, man, I'm, I'm a man of pride and a man of spite. So if they had done that to me, I would have been in Utah right now. I mean, obviously, I have no control over that as a player, but I would have requested a trade immediately. I'm not signing no extension. I'm requesting a trade. Get me out of here. Um, and see all that to say this, right? Um, RJ Barrett is a very quality player in the league. Um, not only can he contribute on both ends of the floor, but we know him to be an offensive superstar, right? Um, he hasn't quite blossomed into that quite yet. But I mean, RJ does a lot of things that go unnoticed or goes under the table, you know? Yeah, man, we're talking about it. Like, there is that perception around RJ Barrett, and it's one that doesn't exist for guys that have put up similar stat lines especially at that age right we're talking about a guy that's not 22 and has averaged 20 points per game in the season um we know he's not donovan mitchell but i just kind of wanted to do this and try to figure out just how far behind he actually is right so bleacher report put out a 2019 redraft where they take everyone drafted in 2019 and they're using what they've done to this point to say how the order should have went and R.J. Barrett went sixth in that. But not only did he go sixth, Bleacher Report in the article said they had a hard time even putting him in the top 10 because of his efficiency numbers. Well, guys, I want to give you some stats. <laughs> Bleacher Report, I hope you're listening. R.J. had more 30-point games than James Harden last year. There have been 25 players to score 30 points 11 times or more in a season. Only two have not been named All-Stars. RJ and Rudy Gay. And that's a trend, right? That's that's the blackballing of Rudy Gay has been something crazy, right? I've never seen a man, maybe barring Monte Ellis, that have scored has scored so much for so long over a consistent period of time and not been named an All-Star one time. I really hope the same thing doesn't happen to RJ because this is a crazy stat. To score 30 points in an NBA game one time in your career is an accomplishment, let alone 11 or more times in one season by the age of 22. That's, that's something that, that makes you, you know what I'm saying, think about it. Like, wow, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, and there are flaws, right? But who doesn't have flaws at 21 years old? Um, only a handful. No, no one doesn't. <laughs> uh, and I, I just think in five years, people are going to be looking back like, wow. RJ really made something of himself. I think that's the more likely outcome than the latter. Oh, he's still kind of a turnover machine with a little bit of uh, a cavalier Russell Westbrook in him. I, I don't think that he, though, with the way he works, the way, what I've seen with, from him to this point, I just don't think that's the, the likely outcome here. Listen, R.J. Barrett is a bucket. We know that. He was the number one kid in high school, college. You know, he was only second to Zion Williamson. Who, same thing in the NBA, uh, at least when it comes to his age group and his draft class. I, there really hasn't been anyone in the class who's played much better than him. I mean, Zion in the, in the minimum minutes that he's gotten. But 
Listen, R.J. Barrett makes the mistakes that 22-year-olds make on an NBA level, on a professional level. It's not more, it's not less. You know what I mean? And I think we give him one or two more years, you're going to see him really clean up some of those inefficiencies in his game. The guy can do whatever he wants on the offensive end. And when he's locked in, that defensive end can be his as well. So R.J. Barrett, you throw in his frame, his wingspan. Uh, just his, Dude, he's, he's a star. You know what I'm saying? He has a certain confidence to him. So um, let's, let's not count him out too early just yet you know what i mean yeah and just to wrap this up that 2019 redraft the play, players ahead of him zion john morant darius garland jordan Poole, oh, tyler hero john morant has definitely had a way better season uh career than him so far but well, other than that all right well i agree with that obviously <laughs> yeah. but in terms of 2019 ranks for that draft class rj is second in points around fifth in rebounds and seventh in assists He's first in rebounds and fifth in assists. Oh, okay. First in rebounds, fifth in assists. There it is. Well, dude, there you go. (laughs) And I mean, that's again with with Zion averaging the stupid numbers that he did in the 40 games he's played so far. (laughs) Yeah, Um, thanks, thanks, thanks Zion, for that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, man, with that being said, RJ Barrett, I think he has a lot to prove. um, And he will prove it in the years coming. Hey, man. We, we got to switch the topic a little bit. You know what I mean? We always, we consistently bring that flavor to your ear, usually about hoops, because this is the hoop plug, right? But when you do something that's so respectable, something that gets you in the conversation in your sport, in your field, in your arena, as one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time in your field, man, that's something worth talking about. We, we always, you know, love to mention goat talk here on the hoop plug. You know what I'm saying? And this is some of the goat talk right here, man. We got to talk about probably the greatest women's tennis, maybe the greatest tennis player of all time to ever lace up her sneaks. That is none other than Serena Williams. That's right, Serena Williams. And man, what a performance in her late age. Uh, we've seen it all from Serena, right? Pregnancies to the, to the ups, to the downs, to the everything, right? Uh, no matter what, at the end of the day, she always finds a way to bring it night in, night mm. out, no excuses. You know what I mean? And last week, she shocked the world again. You know what I mean? Serena with one of the craziest upsets of her entire career, which was, which was different for a change, right? We're used to her being the top dog. We're used to her being the favorite, not the underdog. Uh, never really upset when she wins, right? But an upset against one of the top-ranked tennis players in the world. Uh, Ty, before we go into what her future may seem like, man, you have anything you want to add into that Serena Goat talk, you know? Well, you you mentioned she rose to the occasion, and and that's just what goats do. You said probably the greatest female tennis player of all time. I'm going to take the female part out of it. I'm going to say she's the greatest tennis player of all time, man. And it's really momentous. You see everyone and their mama out there making their way to Queens to watch her last few matches. It's for a reason, guys. This is this is royalty. This is a queen at work. This is legendary. This is every other word you could think of, man. Uh, a girl from Compton did this, man. A girl from Compton did that. Same hood as Nipsey Hussle. Like, wow. Facts, bro. Facts. And I'm smiling, right, because I'm thinking back to the clip from her last match when LeBron was recording her. He recorded, he said, goat talk, bad, <laughs> bad, 
man, LeBron, hey, LeBron, you're a whole fool. Mm. But you're right. You are absolutely right. That's go talk, <laughs> man. And, you know, unfortunately, Serena's, you know, fairy tale, you know, story run in the U.S. Open, the most recent U.S. Open has come to an end. You know what I mean? She lost. At the end of the day, she is a human being. It's hard to believe for forever. You know what I mean? She was just so talented and so deadly at what she did, right? She was, she was just a beast. You know what I mean? She was just one of the most skilled, most... I don't even... You guys know all the acronyms. I don't need to get into it, right? Um... So, Ty, you know, she lost, unfortunately, in the U.S. Open. And one of the th- deeper rounds in the tournament. Um, what, do you ex- what do you expect to come of her career after this? You know what I mean? She, she is getting up there. She can't she, be winning Opens forever or Grand Slams forever. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. She's getting on her Mav Carter. She rung the bell at the Stock Exchange before one of her last matches. Um, so, business. You, it's not going to be the last you've seen of Serena. I'm expecting a Kobe-esque transition into... All things business where she's just as dominant off the court as she was on it. Um, And I liked something that went under the radar. I didn't even realize this until I like started looking it up. But she actually played one more match with her sister. I don't even think her sister's active tennis player. But they just came in for one more doubles match. I was like, yo, that's dope. That's That's so cool. Hey, yo, that's the thing. Venus is... She's so good in her own regard, but I mean, when when the goat is your sister, yeah. sometimes you get slept on, you know. Facts, and that was big sister. I mean, she broke the door down, and Serena just rammed through that thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, uh, there yeah. were a lot of haters around her journey. They they definitely came from an unconventional type type style of things. They were they were bringing some flavor to the sport that it never had. You know, the white beads in the air, iconic. A lot of haters, but the braids, but the bravado, but the muscles, but nothing. That's the goat right there, and you better put some respect on her name. You stupid! Don't ever play yourself. I got you. I got you, queen. Don't worry. <laughs> These men try and play themselves. <laughs> stupid, you know? Yeah. She won her first open title at 17. Here she is at 41, almost doing the damn thing again. But as you know, most of you know. Ross, you know this. I, I am a season ticket holder for the Mets, which means I go to Queens a lot. And the U.S. Open building is actually right across the street from City Field where the Mets play. The only thing in between that is half of a parking lot and the 7 train where people come in. So that means when we're coming to the game or leaving the game, everyone that's taking mass transit is going on the same train. So, U.S. Open is for a week, like it's a week-long event, and uh, I just so happened to be at a Mets game during one of those matches, uh, not the same day Serena was playing, but, you know, in the same building, and I gotta tell you, something very interesting happened after the game, All right? So, it's, it's 10 p.m., Mets won, good, good game, you know, love to see that, and uh, I'm walking back on the 7 train, and... I think a match must have ended too because there's a whole bunch of tennis people coming back too. <laughs> and it is like worlds colliding on this seven train. Trains aren't usually as packed since the pandemic. So that's one thing, right? To have a packed train. But two, you got a bunch of drunk people from the Mets game. And then you got a bunch of people with their sweaters tied around their waist from the tennis matches. <laughs> and this is just the most interesting. I was just people watching the whole time. 42 minutes on my train ride. Watching everyone like, <laughs> on one side. Let's car- go, Mets! Let's go, Mets! On the other side. <laughs> New York is a, truly a special place. 
Hey, man, Cartier tennis bracelets on one side and Budweiser lights on the other side, man. Uh, <laughs> you love to see it. That's the epitome of what it means to be New York. And you know, that's such an interesting dynamic, right? You have two major sporting events happening right across the street from, from each other. And so that's the beauty of New York, baby. New, the New York City, right? You know, the most populous, most densely populated city in the United States. And it's full action all the time. Uh, but that's a dope little story, man. Shouts out. Um, but to, you know, some finishing thoughts on Serena, you know what I mean? She's had such a storied career, uh, an, an essay, uh, an essay recently came out by Vogue magazine, um, which they said Serena was evolving away from tennis to grow her businesses and her family, you know, so natural transition, you know, the perfect, uh, route that you would go from, you know, basically being a hall of fame athlete to then, you know, transitioning into a life of, of business success and, and a business acumen that she can, you know, transition into a life of comfort for her, her family, and generations of the, the Williams family to come. Oh, yeah. And I know, like I said earlier, she's not done competing. She's only going to take all that, whatever, all that emotion, all that passion and, and pour it into something new. Um, so I'm excited. I know she's probably going to do some dope things in business so uh yeah wishing her success and looking forward to seeing what she's got now for something and someone who carried themselves with grace and class to another story where it doesn't happen as uh as much. <laughs> okay we got to talk about this for us i don't know if you heard it but lana rhodes has been making headlines oh i heard it <laughs> okay all right <laughs> Well, Lana Rhodes, adult <laughs> entertainment superstar, is uh, in the news for some baby drama, baby daddy, baby mama. No, I guess baby mama drama isn't the same as baby daddy. Is there a word for that? Is there a term? I don't know. I guess you got to go with baby daddy drama in this situation. But we're going to go with baby mama drama just because it rolls off the tongue so much smoother. There we go. Well, <laughs> Lana has just given birth to a child. Props to that. And uh, she also confirmed that the child's father is an NBA star. Right? And Twitter investigators did what they did, trying to scratch, dig, and claw for any information they could to find out who this child's father was. Olana confirmed it's a player on the Nets. And her ex-boyfriend, Mike Mayak, I think that's his name. He's one of Logan Paul's boy. He does their podcast. Confirmed that not only was it an NBA player, but a star. Like, <laughs> a star star. So, that narrows it down to two players residing in Brooklyn. Blake Griffin or Kevin Durant. Ooh. And uh, before I get into this take, my neighbors obviously didn't get the memo um, that the plug is recording right now. You know what I mean? I guess they didn't see the sign on the store that says keep quiet when recording is in session. But uh, sorry about that, plug family. <laughs> but with all that being said, yeah, uh, Kevin Durant has been known to uh, study plumbing in his spare time. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think this guy is very accustomed to uh, laying down the pipe. You know what I mean? Setting down the foundation. So this story right here does not surprise me. At all. And, and the thing that I mentioned, I, for, I failed to mention previously, he does so in such a quiet and discreet manner. So the fact that this is just popping up when she's been pregnant for nine months after she has the kid, you know, I think that's interesting. I think it really speaks to whoever the baby daddy's uh, tendencies are, right? And with a name like the Slim Reaper, you know, 
something about that just screams like it's him. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, your intuition is serving you well because I did a little <laughs> dive myself and I found out that she confirmed the guy that it was birth, was a Libra. So his birthday had to fall within certain dates and that eliminated Mr. Blake Griffin. Oh, looks like Kevin Durant has found himself some baby mama drama. And you know what's funny? If you notice something, uh, Kevin Durant has been hanging out a lot with Drake recently, you know, down in the mm. Turks and Caicos mm. Islands. You know, unfortunate, similar situation happened to our man Drake. March 13th, <laughs> you know what I mean? A couple years back where he had a kid with almost the exact same situation. So I don't think it's a coincidence that these bros are broed up down in the Caribbean right now. <laughs> That's crazy, bro. And uh, man, uh, if Lana Rhodes and what she is saying is correct, it is not looking like Kevin Durant is playing any type of fatherly role in this situation. <laughs> it's not for the faint of he's heart. Treating them, he's treating his kid like, okay, see, okay, and that's see ya. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you later. Oh, man. You hate to see it, right? And uh, just because he's Kevin Durant doesn't mean we're going to give him any slack for being a deadbeat dad. However, we'll give him, you know, we'll give him at least the first couple years of the kid's life to see how he does. You know what I mean? But uh, for right. Yeah. If he starts remembering it, you better be there. All right. (laughs) Facts. Facts. So we'll see what happens. I mean, these situations, man, that's. It's one of the things about stardom, man, you know, is that you find yourself in these situations that might not necessarily be the case if you didn't have that money and fame. So. I always got to watch out. Always got to be careful for everyone at home. Safe sex is great sex. I don't know what else to say other than that. (laughs) But with that being said, guys, that's another episode of the Hoop Plug in the books. You know what I mean? Thank you guys as always for tuning in, for watching, for staying locked in. You know what I mean? Don't forget, 1,000 subscriber giveaway is live. live. That's right. The 1,000 subscriber giveaway is is live so don't forget to subscribe and comment hashtag love on any one of our social media pages to enter and we're giving away money that's right cash moolah dinero pesos so uh without further ado guys you know thank you for tuning in to another episode of the hoop plug make sure you tune in on youtube facebook instagram tiktok everywhere you go it's hoop plug baby pussy baby